Welcome to the New Little Life Podcast. My name is Allison. I'm a lactation consultant, a breast pump expert, and a mom of three little boys. Here on the podcast, we talk with real moms and experts about breastfeeding and pumping. This podcast is designed to help you feel supported by other moms who are doing exactly what you're doing, to get tips and tricks on breastfeeding, and learn how to efficiently navigate pumping while going back to work. All right, here we go again, another episode in season two, and we are well into season two at this point, and we have been talking with working moms, really diving into moms that are combination breastfeeding and pumping and how they're making all of that work while they go back to work. And tonight's conversation is no exception. We're going to be talking with Melanie tonight, who is an educator. Um, She works in the schools. She struggled with infertility for six years before conceiving, which is just a long, long, long time. (laughs) If you've been through every day of that, you you would know. I can't even imagine. Um, now she's a mom of one and she continues to share her story to help end the shame of miscarriages and infertility. She's been through it all. She's had a an interesting breastfeeding pumping journey so far. So I'm really looking forward to diving into that with her. Welcome, Melanie. It's nice to have you. Nice to see you. Thank you. All right. I just, okay. You got to share a little bit about the pre- journey with us before we kind of dive into the feeding stuff. So, you know, give me the like, what, how did you get this baby? Listen, (laughs) it has been nothing but blood, sweat and tears. Um, In 2017, I got married in 2015. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to have kids. Um, But 2017, I ended up pregnant, which is, you know, a surprise, but it was a great surprise. Um, I had just started out as a teacher. So I was working maybe about three months before I found out I was pregnant. And in my classroom, um, all of a sudden I felt something wasn't right. Like I felt like a sharp twinge. And, you know, my very first miscarriage happened right there in my classroom with my students all around me. Um, But ever since that moment, you know, once I lost the little life that I didn't know I wanted at that time, I just, you know, decided, okay, I do want to be a mom. This is such a devastating loss. Um, So went to the doctor, made sure everything checked out fine. Everything looked great, blood work, everything was great on my end, great on my husband's end. Kept trying again, and it was just a cycle. Every time I would fall pregnant around six weeks, I would always lose the pregnancy. Um, And, you know, everything just kept happening at the school. So um, once COVID hit, once we got to that point where we were in lockdown, I went ahead and made an appointment at the suggestion of my um, OB to start fertility, you know, clinic treatments. Mm -hmm. We went to the clinic and had all the invasive, you know, kind of testing done and everything there. Um, And they still couldn't find anything wrong. They, you know, at that stage, they're just like, there's no reason why you're not getting pregnant at this time. Because, you know, after three miscarriages, I could no longer get pregnant. It was just not happening anymore, no matter what. Um, They couldn't find a reason for any miscarriages either. So they just kind of threw the book at me. They just kind of Mm -hmm. um, said, okay, so we're going to try now is, you know, put you on a baby aspirin regimen. From there, we're going to see if, you know, giving you Levinox shots when you do um, start your cycle will help out with the pregnancy should it you know conceive we went through three rounds of natural cycles where it's timed and of course um, with medications and nothing panned out we started two rounds of IUI 
um, because our fertility doctor wanted us to do two rounds of IUI before we explored the, you know, possibly an IVF. Um, by the second IUI, I just started to kind of feel funny. <laughs> um, and, you know, we were on a road trip to Tennessee. I was like, you know what? Nothing's worked so far that, you know, it's just, it's just not meant to be in the cards. I don't know if we want to go through the aggravation or, you know, the whole emotional process that it takes to do IVF. Um, so, you know, it, it was a nice run. It is what it is. Let's just travel. <laughs> but when we um, kind of started going through the mountains in Tennessee, because that's where we we're going to go. I was going to start to get like motion sickness, which I never get motion sickness at all. So um, we got to the hotel and I took a pregnancy test and yeah, second IUI worked. Wow. And this is your little yeah. one that you have now? Yeah, this is it. It was just one and done. It, from there on, I was always labeled a high risk pregnancy, but no, like he just, you know, like we graduated really early from the fertility clinic. I think we graduated at like eight weeks. Um, cause his heartbeat was just always you know, on point. He was always measuring right where he needed to measure. My vitals were all great. Um, everything, you know, my body was taking really well to the pregnancy. Um, I never spotted, it was just like textbook, perfect pregnancy from there on. Oh, that's wonderful. Six years you talk about, it, you're like, okay, six years, but like, oh my gosh, every single month dealing with it. That is such yeah. a long time. We, yeah. I, I can relate a little bit. It took us two years for our first and I had a miscarriage too. Actually, I was working as a school nurse. It was like legit at school. I wasn't surrounded by a classroom, um, but like my heart just twinged a little here hearing you talk about that too, you know, but that was the longest two years of my life every single yeah. month. So I, you know, six years, that's amazing. So tell me, you make it to the end of your pregnancy having this baby, did you want to breastfeed? Was that your plan? You knew you're going back to work. Like walk me through that. So, um, being in my profession, being a teacher, you know, it's mainly like a female driven occupation. So I've seen coworkers get pregnant and go through it. Um, and once I got pregnant, they all knew my story. Um, once I got pregnant, they all, you know, pushed on me, Hey, breastfeeding is such a great thing. This is how we made it work as a teacher. Um, I have a really close friend too, that was an exclusive pumper. So she's like, Hey, breastfeeding doesn't work out. You, no, you, you can always pump. Um, so I had all the resources there. And from that point on, I was like, you know what? I do want to breastfeed. I really do want to breastfeed. I want that relationship. My mom never did it with us. Cause in the eighties, you know, I'm aging myself in the eighties, um, it, the big push is always formula feeding your kids here yeah. in, in New mm -hmm. Jersey. Yeah. So my mom was like, Oh, it doesn't matter if you do or if you don't, but you know, being in the middle of a pandemic, um, knowing that my little one, even if I wanted to vaccinate him against anything, I would be able to right away. So mm -hmm. I figured, Hey, you know, breastfeeding and at least giving him those antibodies, I get all kinds of germs that work anyway from the kids. So mm -hmm. I can't, it can't hurt, you know, can't hurt. Just give him some breast milk. Um, so that was always the intention um, the reality did not turn out the way that I thought it would, but it was always the intention to breastfeed. Yeah. So how did it start out? Like, tell us about your feeding experience in, in the first little bit there. Of course. So, um, I gave birth and they do skin to skin immediately put him on my chest. He happened to be one of 22 babies born that day. Oh my word. <laughs> I know <laughs> it was a busy time at that hospital. He was born March 10th. Um, and 22 babies were born. Mine, I think he was like about number 16 or so. And the lactation consultant just kind of popped in and told the nurse, tell her not to let him latch yet. 
Um, I'll come back. She's a first time mom. So, you know, tr try not to let him latch yet. If you, if he ends up latching, just keep an eye out, but I can't make it in here right now. I have like other patients I need to go to. Um, and, but my son was ready. My son was inching his way. Like he did like the little infant crawl that they do when they're newborn. And he just kind of found what he needed to find. And he, you know, he grabbed on immediately as the lactation consultant was called back in. Cause they're like, no, this, this baby's latching. Like we get that you're busy because this baby's latching. Um, so when he went ahead and latched, she just kind of came in and just kind of looked at him for like a minute and goes, yep, that's a great latch. That's a deep latch. How does it feel? Is it a little uncomfortable? You want to hold him this way? You want to hold him that way? Um, and then she left because I mean, the whole time she was with me, her phone was just ringing, like just constantly ringing, ringing, ringing. Um, so I can tell it was a busy time for them. So, I mean, she came in and she just set us up. She told us everything was fine. Um, my son latched like for the first time, I want to say he was on for like maybe about 20, 30 minutes, um, on and off, on and off, on and off. Great. And then just throughout the night, he just kept, you know, wah, 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 come back on, wah, wah, come back on, come back on. So, I mean, I thought everything turned out great. Yeah. I mean, that sounds right for the first little bit. Right? I am a little, well, more than a little frustrated at the lactation consultant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can I just say, mm -hmm. like, that's a really, and I don't think we never intend, like, do no harm is like the first, you know, rule, but that really kind of subtly undermined you into like, you can't do this by yourself. I will be here to save and rescue you. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. nothing was wrong. The baby can latch by themselves, especially that first latch. Like, oh, I just, and again, I'm sure that she had the best intentions of like wanting to help and be there, but that hurts me <laughs> like moms yeah. and babies can do this you know and, exactly oh, I don't know how did you feel about it you know and in the moment just after having gone through because I went through oh this is your miracle later. baby like this yes, amazing exactly yeah exactly you know and then 36 hours of labor and you know the epidural not working the first time and then it does work the second time and it's just like all these emotions are yeah. and I'm holding this little this little rug rat that you know I've dreamed about for six years um, and so my first instinct is whatever they tell me I need to do to take care of him, I'm going to do. Oh, so yes. in the back of my mind, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, it's not right for her to kind of like be so busy that she's telling us not to do something. I didn't stop him from doing when he started crawling over. I was like, you know, it is what it is. Cause I know babies have to eat. Like I've, I've watched videos and stuff. They say babies should eat, you know, whenever they want to eat, especially in those first, like what I think it's called like the magical hour. I think it's called yeah, or the golden like hour, mm -hmm. the golden hour. So I was like, well, it's totally natural. And so for her to, you know, turn around and just kind of tell us everything was fine. I was like, okay, anything that she would have told me to do at that time, I would have listened. First time mom, oh, of course, miracle baby. Yeah. I want to take care of him. You know, I want to make mm -hmm. sure I'm doing everything right. So yeah, it, it now talking about it is like when I realized I was I'm kind of upset because the way that my journey ends up ending up is because of those first few days I was in the hospital with. Do you think so? Do you think this like played a long term effect on? I definitely on do. I definitely do. Um, it was so he, you know, fed on and off for the first 24 hours. Um, because there were so many patients in the hospital at that time. And because I had had such an uneventful um, birthing experience and because the baby was pretty much checking out fine, um, they didn't exactly pay too much attention to what was going on. 
right like maybe two hours before we were supposed to be discharged they took my son out to do just like the last um circumcision and then to um run some more blood work just to make sure everything was fine mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. the doctor checked him off and comes to find out he has jaundice so they ended up keeping us an additional three four hours um the nurse that was in charge of him said hey you know i'm gonna have lactation come back over to you because you know, he, he wasn't jaundiced when he was at birth, but now all of a sudden he is jaundiced. So let's make sure that the latch is proper. Let's make sure that he is getting something in him because, you know, it's just kind of, he's like borderline jaundiced. He's not exactly like in this territory where we have to like, you know, mm -hmm. keep him in NICU or anything like that, but he is definitely mm -hmm. borderline. So um, they called lactation back over and it was a completely different person from that first person from the first night. Um, and she, she just kind of at that point came in, she squeezed, saw that there was stuff coming out. So she goes, okay, it seems like, you know, realistically speaking, I can see stuff coming out. He's latching beautifully. Let me just teach you a different position. Let me make, teach you how to watch his throat to make sure that he is taking in milk. Like let, let's make sure his mouth mm -hmm. is filling up and he's definitely taking it up. So she definitely took more time, but it was at that moment that she just kind of looked at my breasts and she goes, um, your breasts are a little bit really like spaced apart. So she's like, I'm just going to give you that little piece of information to see like, if this becomes an issue later on, like if in a week you see it's not working out, but the breastfeeding issue isn't working out, just keep in mind that your breasts are a little bit wide spaced apart. So some women who have wide spaced apart breasts actually do have a hard time breastfeeding. And when I asked her why she goes, everything looks fine now. But I just want to give you that little bit of tidbit. And she gave me her phone number, which is in case I needed a call back for any reason. We were discharged um, that night. So like three hours after, I think after she she signed off on him, we were uh, discharged. And then, you know, those first couple of nights with him, he just would not stop crying. He just, no matter what, no matter how many times he latched on, he would just not stop crying. Like you, you could just tell at that point, you know, something wasn't going right. They sent us home with a billy blanket. Um, because of the jaundice, but no matter what, like just, you know, we were supposed to take them to the ER the day after just to make sure that they run the test again. And when they ran the test, the level was up even more than what it was at discharge. So we were told to refer back to our pediatrician two days after that. So we went like on a Sunday to the ER Tuesday, when we back, went back to the pediatrician, she weighed him and saw that his birth weight had like significantly dropped that 10% that they say. Um, so she set us up with a whole bunch of formula. And from then on, it was just kind of like this whole big struggle with breastfeeding because, you know, she's like, well, he's not taking anything in. You're going to have to get in touch with a lactation consultant and see if we can do like a weighted feed or something to see if he's taking anything in. She's like, but just the fact that your son is, you know, jaundiced and he has to be on the billy blanket. I would suggest that you start supplementing right now where you figure out what's going on. Um, so, yeah, so it's just how my journey just kind of ended up from thinking that everything is fine. I went through six years and of course everything worked out perfectly in pregnancy and me thinking everything's going to work out perfectly with breastfeeding because how could it not, you know? And just, just hearing that just kind of like, okay. Yeah. It seems like it's jarring. I mean, gosh, it's, they, multiple people just kind of told you like little tiny things um, mm -hmm. that I, do you feel like that kind of added up in your mind to like, I can't do this? Or do you think there was like actually a problem like with breastfeeding that you needed help with? At that point, I figured, you know what? 
I do remember at the back of my mind, I was like, I remember her saying my breasts were like wide spaced apart. So maybe that has to play something into it. Um, at that point, I was just like, maybe, you know, my infertility was caused by something and maybe my breasts have just kind of do something with that. Um, I went ahead when I got home and I called my insurance company to see what lactation consultants, if they covered lactation, first of all, and then what lactation consultants they would cover. Um, there was only one in my area that is covered. Okay. <laughs> so at that point, I just called her and made an appointment with her because I'm like, something's not working right. Something's just, you know, it, my, my son's not getting any intake. He, you know, John is getting worse. Um, it's just, it's just them at the hospital. I just didn't have that confidence to go back at them. So I was kind of hoping that she would be like that miracle worker and tell me, Oh yeah, you just need to do this. You just need to do that. She couldn't see me, I think for two days after I called her. So that's when I started going on YouTube. That's when I started seeing different videos and seeing what was going on. Um, during my pregnancy, I, it just never occurred to me that I would need to learn how to pump so soon, but everything, yeah, everything I was watching on YouTube was saying, well, you know, you definitely want to start pumping at least, even if you're supplementing, you definitely want to start pumping and making sure that your milk is coming in. Sometimes women take a while for the milk to come in. So getting set up with um, the pump, my husband actually is the one, because I get so overwhelmed at that point with all the YouTube videos that my husband's like, okay, let's figure out the spectra that a friend had passed on to me just, in, you know, out of emergency because I still hadn't gone through my insurance yet to get the pump. Um, and once I pumped for the first time and I only got drops, is when I was like, wow, okay, something is not right. Even though like I know from everything that I'm reading and everything I'm seeing that my milk, I'm not going to have like, you know, three ounces of milk right now because it's only like less than a week since I gave birth. I'm only getting drops. Like on one side, I only got drops and on the other side, it's like nothing coming out. So it's like at that point, I was just kind of like, how is it that everybody missed that my son wasn't getting anything? Like how long has it been that my son wasn't, you know, getting anything? So it was definitely like, I just kind of felt at that moment that it just kind of felt it was like a lot of failures, you know, to, to support me at that point to let me know that there was an issue. Because I, I honestly like thought everything was going to be fine. I just thought, oh, you know, the first night when we came home with him and he was crying and we can tell that, you know, he was at the breast all the time, but he was still like, not leaving satisfied we could see that he was swallowing but he was just he was just unsatisfied 20 minutes later it was just kind of like you know at what point do we miss something it's hard to know because sometimes the first few days look like that like your milk is you know colostrum in the beginning it's small amounts and they digest it quickly so they eat a lot and not very big amount like a lot of these things are kind of what you expect like Day three is typically the hardest day where the babies are fussy and they're hungry. Mm-hmm. And so it can like, it's, it's hard, you know, hard yeah. to know. Is there like a problem or is this just kind of normal newborn behavior? I'm a first time mom. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. what was your visit like with the lactation consultant after the hospital? Um, it was great. You know what? She came over and we did the way to feed it. And that's when it was just kind of confirmed at that point that he, he wasn't getting enough to, okay. you know, keep him satisfied. Yeah. Um, he was thriving at that point um, with the formula. So, mm-hmm. you know, she she expressed her disappointment at the hospital lactation consultant. She um, expressed her disappointment with the pediatrician pushing the formula right away because she just didn't agree. She was very opinionated. She didn't agree with any of the um, supplementing right away. She um, understood where I was coming from with the decision to go right ahead and listen to the pediatrician. Yeah. 
um, and supplement with formula because I told her I was like, you know, I've never been a mom, and all I know is I have a, a screaming baby that's just why not would you not? Who wouldn't why, do why that? Would I, yes, like why wouldn't totally. I give him formula? Of course, of course. So I mean, um, I would still latch him on, and then he would get his bottle. I'd latch him on until he, you know, no longer wanted to be at the breast, and then I would get him his bottle. Mm-hmm. So she helped me set that up. She helped me um, make sure that the the latch was perfect. She assessed him for a tongue tie or anything like that, which he, he didn't have. Um, she gave us tips on um, using an SNS mm-hmm. to see if it would fit with, you know, our lifestyle, which unfortunately didn't work out <laughs> because um, my husband had to go back to work like almost like a week after I gave birth. So it was just me and the baby most of the time by ourselves. So she had me after that. Um, she's like, all right, well, you, you know, the milk could still come out. She's like, I'm going to tell you, I'm suspecting that you might have something called IGT. Um, she's like, you know, everything that you're telling me about your fertility issues, I can kind of understand. Um, but the fact that now when you fell pregnant, your breasts never grew. My, like my breasts have never grown since like I went to middle school and hit puberty. My breasts have never changed since size. And when I was pregnant, I was like, oh, this is the moment when I finally get boobs. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is the moment where I can finally wear like low cut shirts because I'll finally have some nice boobs. And no, it never happened. Um, I mentioned it to my OB, like I think when I was six months pregnant, hey, I thought pregnant women get boobs. <laughs> and she said, no, you know, that could happen at the end. And then when they still never came in and then when the lactation consultant just kind of saw them and saw that they were white spaced apart and saw that I was still wearing the same bras from like high school. She was like, um, I, I do want to say that I think that you might have IGT. There's like a whole bunch of blood work we could run to make sure that there's no un- other underlying condition. But that's when she, you know, kind of let me know what, what that issue could have been. And that was the ho- the lactation consultant at the hospital? That was the one that came home. Oh, that came home that fully explained that yeah. to you. Because the first one mentioned yeah. that one thing about the white space breast, which I know what she's talking about. Like we're, we're trained to identify this, but I feel like she didn't give you very much information about no. what that in. in- nope. <laughs> I, I, I want Cause she was so bubbly. She was my favorite. She was so bubbly and happy and cheerful and, I think that that was just her her way of because I, I think my attitude at that point was like, am I doing something wrong? I, what's going on? Like, I think I, you know, did I, did I do something wrong? And it was just like panicking that I just didn't know how to do what I needed to do. That I think she was just trying to be really positive about it and not drop that bomb right then and there. Um, I think that her expectation was that I would call her back when I got home to, um, you know, to talk that out. But I just I never tried to get back in touch with the hospital. So her mentioning that and then when the lactation consultant that my insurance paid for at home said IGT it just kind of clicked at that point I was like oh what she said is what you're saying okay (laughs) now what you know now what (laughs) What do we do now so So what do you do now like where do you go from there Mm -hmm. exactly so you know it's you know she's like it's not your fault um you just, you don't have enough tissue. So even if you do produce milk, you know, it, it, you don't have enough to. And so if we're supplementing, that that's perfectly fine. Let me help you see if we can continue to stimulate the breast and get the maximum amount of output that you could get given that you might have IGT. So she set me up with pumping at that point. Um, every time I nursed him and after I supplemented with the formula, I was to sit down for 20 minutes and pump. She gave me the settings to use on my spectra and um, 
you know, it, that's how we ended up doing it. So anything that I pumped, I would have to go right ahead and put in a bottle for him to have the next feed. And so I think it's called triple feeding. Mm-hmm. And we did that for two weeks, two weeks until she um, reached back out to, you know, kind of check in and, you know, it triple feeding, <laughs> triple feeding is exhausting. It is exhausting. So I, I was a good soldier. <laughs> we, me and my son, we did it. We did it for two full weeks, but you know, the, the, the milk was coming in, but obviously it was never, it, it just kind of hit me at that point. It was just never, I was always going to have a supplement. I was able to provide, but I was always, always, always going to have to supplement. Um, and we had a great, you know, breastfeeding journey. We, he um, would start with me as like a the lactation, would call it like an appetizer. He'd start mm-hmm. with me as an appetizer, get his full meal and then come back over for dessert. The dessert was definitely him comfort nursing. <laughs> Because by that point, there's definitely, he definitely took everything out that he could during appetizer. But, you know, it, it was great for, I, we made it three months. He made it three months before he himself just kind of put his hand up one time and was just kind of like, no, we're, we're done with that, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> but let's just, just give him my bottle. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, man, that's. Know? That's so interesting. So I feel like I should probably explain just for our listeners who may not know what IGT is. IGT is insufficient glandular tissue. And this is a disorder when the milk making tissue of the breast doesn't develop as we expect. So either in utero, during puberty, during pregnancy. And so it's actually like a physical, I've made videos before that's like, this is not low milk supply, nine things that are not low milk supply. IGT is when there's just the tissue is insufficient. We legitimately cannot make enough milk because the tissues haven't developed appropriately. Is that your understanding as well? Yep. Yeah. So really nothing you can do about it. It also does kind of explain a little bit of your infertility issues. Something is not right hormonally or just like, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You right. Know. Everything just kind of clicked mm-hmm. at that point. So when she, when she laid that bomb and once I, you know, went down Dr. Google, um, it just, everything just clicked. And so it just kind of, it let so much go. I was like, okay, it wasn't my fault. The the miscarriages, the infertility, all of this whole journey, it just, nothing was my fault. It literally was something that, you know, didn't develop right or something that happened, you know, when my mom was pregnant with me, just something didn't go right. And so the fact that, I even have my rainbow baby is amazing. And the fact that I even have some milk coming out is amazing. And so just kind of making that piece of that, just getting that little piece of puzzle, which is kind of making a piece with the whole journey. Yeah. Like years and years of wondering why. And I, I don't feel like that's like a very, like a really clear definitive, like we have a reason because we still kind of don't know like what causes in the first place, but at least it's something. And I, you know, the lactation consultant you saw in the hospital, it was pretty early in your journey. Like, I don't know if I would have felt comfortable saying like, yeah, you're going to have low milk supply because I wouldn't want to put that on you so early, Exactly. you know? So mm-hmm. I kind of get that too. Just like, be aware of this. If you notice things, I you have to follow up because you're at a higher mm-hmm. risk based on this one thing that I saw, you know? So it's as a lactation consultant, I often learn a lot from talking with moms like you on just how to be better lactation consultant and what yeah. not to do and stuff. And, you know, so, but I'm glad you were able to kind of find some peace with that information and find a way that works. So let's kind of dive into your pumping. When did you go back to work after your little one? 
So I was supposed to go back to work six weeks after I gave birth, but with the whole lactation and trying to um, figure out breastfeeding and what my choice was going to be, I went to school um, at six weeks and I let them know I was going to extend it for one more week, giving me five weeks back at school before the school year ended. Um, I went back in right before testing season started at the school. And yeah, at that point I was doing um no I was still nursing I was still nursing and I was I started pumping um yeah it started pumping at that point so I've always been pumping I got more comfortable with the pump just figuring out scheduling at that point was the whole point of me even going back because my husband and I did talk for a little bit maybe I just won't go back until the fall um but once we knew that I had you know that IGT and it just in my mind I was like I don't know how I'm going to juggle pumping and you know being a full-time teacher right now in the middle school, especially in the middle school setting. So yeah, um, in the classroom, just figuring out with my principal and my coworkers how to be able to squeeze in pumping because it was really important. And that was the lactation consultant's like, you don't understand. It's really important that you pump every three hours. Like with your condition, you need to pump every three hours. Like if you don't pump every three hours, if you don't figure out how to work it in, you're not going to have the goal. You're not going to meet the goal that you want to meet. Um, so yeah, <laughs> you just you yeah. make it work. Huh? So you went but, back to work one month and then you had summer break. Is that right? Yep. Okay, cool. All right. So you got to walk me through your teaching middle schoolers. What subject do you teach? I teach social studies. Okay. So, so do you have classes <laughs> yeah. like all day and then one prep period? Like I do. Yes. All right. Um, so you got to walk period... me through your schedule and tell me how you do that. So um, eight o'clock in the morning is when our contract time starts. Um, I pump on my way to work. So from about seven to seven thirty, I'm pumping in the car. I get to work at eight and I don't see my students until nine. So I have to pick up my students at nine. I have that class. I want to say from nine until 1030. And then it's my planning. My planning goes from 1030 and it goes straight into sixth grade lunch, which has been like the biggest, like, break I could have ever caught coming back go straight up until um what time is their lunch over 12 15 so I have planning into my into my lunch from 10 30 to 12 15 and then just teaching straight through from 12 15 to 3 30. Okay mm-hmm. so you probably try and hit that last lunchtime pump as late as you can in the lunch so you can make it all the way till 3 30. Yeah <laughs> yeah yeah my students knew what was up too. Um, with my infertility journey, I started a TikTok account about all of the infertility and I made videos about all of that. And, you know, middle schoolers just being nosy and on social media just kind of found it. So they were yeah. aware of what was going on. So they knew when my door was locked um, and I had a sign that said mama at work with two teddy bears on the thing because you can't put anything that says like, breastfeeding you can't put anything that says pumping on your door middle mm-hmm. schoolers they are not very mature about it so um they knew they knew that if i wasn't opening the door i was in there making what they call mommy milk <laughs> she's just doing her mommy milk stuff right now <laughs> so we're really sweet about it but yeah it for that one month that worked out really great yeah Oh, that's, I love it when I see, I had another guest on the podcast recently too, uh, who actually, she was a teacher too. She taught band and it was the same kind of thing, especially her like sixth graders were really Mm -hmm. just, um, 
interested in it and very accepting. Like this is normal, you know? And I love that we're, I love that women like you are introducing milk to kids younger. I, I didn't know anyone that had ever like breastfed. I had only seen, I had one older cousin than me. I remember breastfeeding at like Thanksgiving one time or something, but she had a full on cover on was like in the corner on the couch. And I, that was like my experience with breastfeeding, you know, and gosh, I wish I had been exposed to that earlier and just have it be like super normal. Yeah. My teacher pumps her mommy milk. Like this is normal and whatever. Um, Have you ever had any like awkward run-ins with students about your pumping? Um, (laughs) I've had moments that I've been awkward, but they didn't realize that I was being awkward. Um, Eventually, like two weeks after I came back to work, I realized I needed something a little bit more portable. So I got the Willow Ghost. Um, And I felt so free with the Willow Ghost. So I would have them in, you know, while I was like running to the copy room or going to the restroom or going to the um, staff lounge. And for whatever reason, I would just run into kids all the time. So while it's going and while the kids are trying to hug me, here I am with like these two, you know, pumps yeah. hanging off my chest. And so I would hug them like sideways. I do like the little side hug so that mm-hmm. I would kind of hope that they would feel what was going on. Um, so I was, this, this is a little awkward, especially with the boys, because the boys, the female girls, like the students, the female students always knew what was going on but I think like the male students were just a little bit more oblivious or they just didn't care you know they, they yeah. were just like yeah whatever my teacher's just being a teacher um but the boys are the ones that just like you know would come up to hug me and I'm like oh side hug so super awkward and they're like miss you're being kind of weird and they would just walk away from me and I'm like no you don't you don't get it but that's fine that's fine just think that I'm weird totally I fine. think that they're super oblivious I'm not surprised that the female students notice and the male students just have like legit no clue and you're like dude no, you can't tell me whatsoever. my breasts are like huge they seriously don't. <laughs> they have no idea no no whatsoever <laughs> none whatsoever like and you can hear them too like you, you think that they're really quiet but you you can definitely hear once you get to like a certain point on your body you can hear the will goes so I'm like, okay, you didn't, you didn't hear anything. That's totally fine. But for me, it's just awkward. Just, just awkward. Oh, oh, man. Have you, how about like staff, principals, teachers and stuff? Have they been supportive at your school as well? I have been so lucky. I think because I've been so open about the infertility struggles. And I think because that they've just all been involved in that story that when they saw that I came back and that, um, just I didn't, didn't announce it maybe I should have I didn't announce it um once that sign went up on my door that first day they realized what was going on um two teachers on my team miss in my department I mean next door to me Miss Z and Miss S um knew what was going on so I mean they have always gone above and beyond if I couldn't make a meeting or if I was gonna be late for a meeting they'd make sure that you know they saved me a spot well you know took off with pumps or while I put my milk away or anything like that. Um, if they saw that, you know, I was running a little bit behind because the will goes, you kind of have to separate them from the motor. So it makes it really hard to like, just kind of throw them somewhere and go. Mm-hmm. Um, they would take my kids into their classroom or they would um, cover my class while I ran to the bathroom, maybe to, you know, clean up or anything like that. If I had to wash my, my containers or anything like that, um, they would let me, just take extra time if I needed the extra time. So they've, they've been so super supportive. I don't think I would have made it to the whole month without them, you know, just covering for me anywhere that they saw that I needed that coverage for. I've just been so lucky. Um, the other teachers, when I run into them, they always ask me to like, Hey, how's the baby? 
are you breastfeeding? Is there anything that you need? Hey, my sister was breastfeeding and, you know, did you know this? Did you know that? Oh, hey, you know, my um, wife loves these lactation cookies. I had a male teacher told me that my wife loves these lactation cookies and we have so many of them. Do you want to try some out? Everybody in that school has been so supportive, especially my principal. My principal has been amazing. I'm so lucky to be at the school and I really truly am. I think there's a lot of wisdom in just being transparent and vulnerable about your life. And this is, we could even like displace this from feeding stuff. Like this is just like human to human. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of benefit for letting people support you and just being open and like, yeah, sometimes I need a little help and you guys are willing to give it. I think this is where teachers, especially you you have a hard time because students come at timed intervals. And if we know anything about motherhood, it is that it's unpredictable. And Mm -hmm. even on your pumping schedule, like stuff just happens. And so I think it's really important for teachers um, to just come up with a, a game plan. So have a couple of teachers in classrooms next to you that are willing to support you. Who are the extra um, teacher's aides in the school? When do they have breaks? And can they, I'm glad that you have a, or that you had a break long enough to kind of make it work. But some teachers don't. You're working from 730 to 1230 and you have to pump somewhere in there, but you have students. So I think utilizing um, aides to come in and stuff, but you have to ask, you have to advocate for yourself a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know? Have you found any other, I, like things that have made it easier for pumping out of school? Um, out of school, the uh, willow in goes the school. Just, like, in the school, the willow mm-hmm. goes. It has to be something that's you know um, portable. It, it could either be like a portable or a wireless. Sure. You know, like the willow goes are great. Um, I also did the baby Buddha with the cups at one point too. Like that last mm-hmm. week, I was like, oh, you know, like these willow goes are like taking too long to let me try the baby Buddha. I was able to get one like second hand just to test them out. Um, and those have been really great too, but yeah, it's just, you know, I, I got to that last week of school where it's just kind of like, I stopped caring what made it like, you know, easier to do or what made it more discreet at that point. I was just kind of like, you know, I, I, I'm breastfeeding. I have a condition. I have to do it every three hours. And you know, like, I'm sorry if you're walking into my classroom and you're seeing like my boobs out. Or, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it, it just kind of got to that point where it was just kind of like lugging my spectrum back into work with the cups at least or with the flanges. It, you know, at that point, it was just, I didn't care anymore <laughs> what made it easier or what made it not, you know, it was just everybody just accepted the fact that I was breastfeeding. My teachers um, next door and all around the school were able to help me and give me that extra support. So I just kind of felt like comfortable enough to just kind of let it go. That's great. Um, So we're recording this the end of July. Do you intend to keep pumping when you go back to school this fall? Yes, a hundred percent. Yes. Yep. I have every intention to, um, I'm not going to be as lucky as I was. Um, we actually are having like a massive teacher shortage in my entire district. Mm. So a lot of us teachers are giving up our plannings. I mean, we get paid for giving up the plannings. Um, Sometimes they ask you, sometimes they don't. So it looks like I might actually be losing that big chunk of time. Mm-hmm. I have to figure out how that's going to go. I'm like trying not to stress about it right now, but I'm going to have to figure out how to squeeze in the pumping in that point. But the plan is to continue to go. I've made it, what, four months now. We're going on to five months now. And my ultimate goal has always been a year, but, you know, just kind of see how it goes. Yeah. Um. So I would love to 
I would love to ask you what it's been like. Um, you're still supplementing a little bit with formula, correct? And breast milk. What has that been like mentally, emotionally to put in? Like, we know pumping is hard work. <laughs> we know feeding your baby is hard and just getting the amount you're getting. I just, I would love to hear your, your thoughts on that. You know, it has been a love and a hate relationship at the beginning. Every single day, I was always like, you know what? Because um, at the beginning, I was only getting like an ounce a day. It was it was only about an ounce a day. And I would give my son his little ounce a day. He was drinking like three ounce bottles at that time. And I was like, okay, well, at least he gets like a third of a bottle once a day. Um, but then as I just kind of kept it up and just kind of played with whatever settings I could get, just kind of doing my own research and seeing, you know, what I could do to help up my supply, like, you know, drinking more water, actually taking the time to eat. Cause that, that was a big thing too, is, you know, with a newborn, I just kind of sometimes I forget to eat or anything like that. Um, I started to see my supply go up more and more. So it used to feel like, pretty crummy and I actually couldn't put the bottles together myself like I I would have to just kind of like have hubby kind of take over and be like hey can you get the bottles together he's eating about this much and this is the breast milk and I would just kind of disappear somewhere um but I as I got more confident in myself and as I just kind of like you know talked it out with my therapist too about how you know I like worked so hard to love my body again after all the infertility struggles um and once I got my supply up from an ounce, I think that's just what hit me the first time was just the fact that it was only an ounce. And now that I've got myself where I can give them at least two bottles a day, um, it's it's a better relationship with it. I can do the bottles myself now. I can definitely do the bottles myself now. I only do the bottles myself now. And it gives me like a sense of pride that even though it is combo feeding, even though, you know, most of the bottles are formula, it still feels good because my son... I, I think it's sometimes it's the universe <laughs> just like knows how to take care of me. My son gets this like mischievous little grin when he sees me pumping. And when he sees me pour that milk into a bottle and he'll just kind of look at me. He'll, he's still, he definitely doesn't want to breastfeed anymore. He, he, he weaned himself up of me, um, but he'll still like caress me there. He'll still like caress me when I'm breastfeeding, when I'm pumping. And oh. when he get my, I know. And my husband always says, he's like, I don't know. He's like, when I give him the breast milk bottles, he definitely has a different like look to him. And my mom says it too. Whether they're saying it out of kindness or whether it's true is a different thing. But I'm it's, sure it's, it's just, I mean, <laughs> I keep telling myself that. I'm like, there's no way. Cause he definitely does have like a different, like he'll look at me different when it's a breast milk bottle. Mm. Um, so, you know, if it, it, it finally feels good, it finally feels like what I'm giving him is enough. Somebody at school told me that actually when, uh, you know, they were like, oh, you're breastfeeding. And I was like, I'm having a really hard time. I don't make enough for him. I think that's how I said it to her. I don't make enough for him. And she said, hey, anything you make is enough for him. No matter what you make, it's enough for him. And when she said that to me, she said to me at the end of the year, I took that with me over the summer. And it just kind of, you know, gave me peace. So every single time I'm making his bottles, I'm just like, yay, you get one full bottle. Oh, look, you get a little bit more. You can actually get like, three and a half bottles today. So, so I've, I've had to make peace, but it feels, it feels good now. It did not at the beginning, but it feels good now. That's amazing. I love to hear that. I think as moms, we really get in all aspects of like pregnancy, birth, motherhood into this all or nothing thinking like my yeah. birth either has to go perfect or it's a total mm -hmm. failure. 
My feeding journey either has to be pretty darn close to perfect or it's a failure. And so I love it when I talk to moms like you who have really made the combination. You've kind of done it all and you've found a way to to be okay with that and to still see yourself as a wonderful mother, which you 100% are. You know, it doesn't matter you have to feed your baby. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we're not Mm -hmm. here to judge how that happens. And whether you have a medical condition like you that is making that difficult or not, maybe it's just difficult, or maybe you did do something wrong or not the most optimal way. And that caused low supply in that, like, this is just, we're learning how to be mothers. I I think someone told me that, um, early in my motherhood journey, like, yeah, your baby's new, but you're a new mother too. You've never been like you're born as a mother in this moment too. And I think there was so much wisdom in that just knowing like, I don't know what I'm doing. My baby doesn't know what they're doing. We're learning this together and this is our story. And so thank you so much for sharing some of those thoughts and just more vulnerable stuff with us. I think a lot of moms will be able to <laughs> relate with that and kind of what you've, what you've been through. Um, so as we're kind of finishing up here, I would love to know, do you have any advice for specifically working moms? It's a lot to juggle with all of this stuff. Um, anything you'd like to kind of share with them? You know, find your support system and use your support system. Like, is the biggest thing, especially as a working mom. Um, I think that it's so easy to want to look like you're juggling everything together. It's so easy. It, you know, like as, as women, we just want people to think that we can do it all. And maybe some of us can. I actually know some rock star women who can do it all. You know, I'm not one of them. <laughs> Most of us aren't. And it's okay to take up that friend who said, hey, can I meet the baby and come back in your house for you if you need me to? Hey, can I meet the baby and, you know, come help you with laundry? Like, like culturally too, because in my culture, no, we don't accept help. Like, no, we women can do it all. But me personally, like I have learned your support system is giving you all the support because they want you to take them up on that. You know, like it's okay for somebody to come over and help you do the laundry. It's okay for somebody to come over and cook you dinner. It's, it's okay it's okay to want help it's okay to need help there's nothing wrong with that um it's the only way that we as women can make this work we have to support each other that's i'm 100 with you it can be hard to accept service and offering but i think once you've been through the motherhood journey once or twice or three times or whatever you realize okay yeah this is hard and guess what nobody gives you a gold star for doing it all by yourself not at right all. not at all nope so nope. don't like <laughs> I don't do it. You know, Uh, that is, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared. And I wish you the best of luck at five months in you've come so far and accomplished so much. And I'm really excited for you to start this new school year and figure it out again and just keep going and hit your goals. And please, you'll have to like follow up with us and let us know when you hit that milestone that you've been working so hard for. I just, I can't wait to hear that you do it, which I know you will. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) That's the goal. That's the goal. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, we had such a great chat with Melanie today. If you are a working mom and you are wanting to build your support system, that is actually exactly what I do. I have a program called Pumping for Working Moms. It's specifically for working moms and you can come and chat with me and I would love to meet you. I would love to hear a little bit about your goals and what you're struggling with and see if I'm able to help. And the reason I like to do that is because our community is very specific. It's full of goal-oriented and research-driven working moms. So if that is you, you can schedule a chat with me and we can actually talk face-to-face, which is one of my favorite things. We will have all of the links that we talked about today down in the show notes. We'll have Melanie's TikTok and her Instagram, as well as a lot of the pumps and products and stuff she mentioned, just in case you'd like to learn more about any of those. And I hope to hear from you soon. Thanks again, Melanie, for joining us today. It was so fun to talk with you. Thank you, Allison.